0: standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene
1: Steinberg. So, it looks like one of our listeners is not happy that we're having another UFO show today. He's somebody who posted on Facebook, more UFOs, geez. Now, he doesn't use any more explicit terms. So, accordingly, we are allowed to... Mention what he said. Some people don't like it when we cover UFOs. Other people, we talk about ghosts, they say, oh, enough ghosts. We don't want to hear ghosts anymore. Of course, you can't satisfy everyone. So you've got to please yourself. That's kind of quoting a song called Garden Party from a 1950 sitcom star who became kind of a country rock icon. Garden Party from Rick Nelson. Uh, Does anyone Ricky remember him? R- yeah, well, Ricky he changed Nelson. it to Rick Nelson because he didn't want to be called Ricky anymore uh, because okay. he kind of felt that's as oh, a teenager, as a grown man in his 30s and 40s. Do you remember Preston Dennett, Rick Nelson? Yeah, sure. Yeah.
2: Ricky Schroeder, too. He doesn't want to be called <laughs> Ricky either. <laughs>
1: well, well, Rick Nelson, one of the things about it is, of course, his father, Ozzy Nelson, set him up on the show to... Sing a song, but he was a real singer. He was a real artist. He was a real songwriter. And a lot of his songs were not teenage songs, they were country songs like Lonesome Town, absolute country. So he was pretty good. He was a pretty good singer. But Garden Party is where, of course, he's older with the long hair, and they're doing this reunion concert at Madison Square Garden. And I guess. He wasn't received so well, so we got a hit record out of it. Why are we doing this? We've got Preston Dennett, who's been in and around the UFO field for a few decades. And a lot of interesting UFO-related news is forthcoming right now, especially from the New York Times. Or some people call it the failing New York Times, except that it is not failing. So it is the successful New York Times where we have these stories from Ralph Blumenthal and Leslie Kane about possibly getting a UFO update from the government every six months. Preston, have you been following any of this? Are you kidding? Yes, of
2: course. It's like the only movement we've had towards disclosure at all significant that I can really remember in terms of, you know, official government people. Yeah, I'm pretty excited, but I'm also kind of jaded. I'm not expecting too much. Probably going to give us another piece of film or maybe we'll get to see a speck of metal. I want the ship. I want to see the bodies. And nothing less will, will make any more than a ripple. Most people have not even noticed all these disclosures, which which I think are pretty significant.
3: Yeah, I and mean, we were talking a bit, a little bit about that before the show, right, Preston? Where, okay, so disclosure, we in ufology, we already know they're here. So it's not going to be a big surprise to us. And I think maybe we tend to overestimate... Uh, the rest of the world's what they think the importance of it is really there's a lot of people who probably couldn't really care less. So, you know, they're more interested in, like we were saying, making sure that their uh, ball gets to the green or, you know, the sports arenas open up or the bars open up.
2: Yeah, I can just see and all this really does roll out a couple of years from now. Parents are going to be trying to drag their kid to the UFO museum to show them the Roswell aliens. And the kids are going to be like, no, no, I want to play my video games.
3: (laughs) I think they're already there. (laughs) And I think there's even an Area 51 video game already, too, about it, right? And there's quite a few alien video games. Oh, yeah. It's the major theme of video games. So kids are desensitized
2: already. I brought this up with the people I know. And uh, no one has even really heard of it. I'm like, you did not hear that the Pentagon said that there will be further disclosures about otherworldly vehicles, direct quote. And they're
1: like, no. <laughs> well, you also understand that the original statement was attributed to former Senator Harry Reid, and they changed the story to make it less definitive, as you might recall. So that raises yeah. that big question. Maybe he said too much. Or maybe he was misquoted, or maybe there was wishful thinking. I don't know. The key here is that we're talking about a six-month time frame. Now, in six months from now, conceivably, we have a different president. I don't want to get into the politics because it's going to get really wacky. I'm just going to say, as a matter of practicality here... If the trends are as they are now, there will be a new president. And if there is the existing one, it's not as if he hasn't said some vaguely positive things about UFOs. So one way or the other, there may be information. Then again, just because something is in a bill doesn't mean that the Pentagon is honor-bound to give that report. It's not as if Congress can do anything about it.
2: Here's my big worry is our government generally doesn't do things... To help the people necessarily it's for their own benefit so there's got to be something behind this that it makes it beneficial to them to make these disclosures i'm not sure what it is i'm guessing there's probably a lot of different reasons people perhaps within the government cover-up who have been pushing towards this i know the ets have that's one of their major themes when people are taken on board
1: Right. But if E.T. wanted to do what they could have done it a long time ago, E.T. doesn't need to take Johnny or <laughs> Jeanette, unknown person aboard a spaceship or channel to them. They can just simply land and say, here we are. What are you going to do about it?
2: Hey, they keep doing it. They go over the Phoenix. You know, these big waves of sightings are clearly displays. They're
1: publicity stunts. You just said something publicity stunts. I think some things there is, it's play acting for our benefit. If they really wanted to do a landing, a real 100% mass landing, they could do that. They do not need our benefit of our wisdom or knowledge or awareness. They just land. They can just do it if they want to. We can't stop them. We do not have that control unless, of course we assume and let's just make assumptions here okay we're being visited by et et has had some interactions with the governments of earth and they've worked this out
2: yeah there's clearly something going on behind the scenes because if ufos are real and in such large numbers as i think they are uh, why aren't they landing why aren't they seen every day all the time there's some sort of quarantine going on with our planet perhaps i don't know if you buy into the john lear story about how the Greys and our government have had diplomatic relations and traded abductions for technology.
1: Uh, Well, where's the technology to take care of the pandemic? I don't see any technology there. Where's the technology to help stop wars? Where's the technology to fix the environment? Why do we have to spend billions of dollars for companies to produce in advance vials of vaccine that may or may not work? Why can't E.T. give us the pill? Why do we have to have kidney dialysis? As Dr. McCoy demonstrated in the movie Star Trek for the voyage home, you just give the person who suffers from kidney failure a couple of pills and they call them in the morning. The key here is if there's alien technology, where is it? It's in the military
2: hands. There's some whistleblowers out right now who's saying that, yeah, from the crashed UFOs, we've pulled out a lot of healing technology, which totally makes sense because these things are like floating hospitals. There's a very strong medical theme that runs through the abduction accounts. And according to these whistleblowers, like I think William Tompkins and others, uh, we have things that can diagnose tumors and cure all kinds of things, kind of anti age people, and they are using it for their own purposes.
1: Obviously, those cost. purposes are not to help us. We have longtime researcher Preston Dennett joining us for this episode. And by the way, he will also stick with us for After the Paracast. That's the special podcast available only if you're a subscriber to the Paracast Plus. Let me just tell you about that quickly. and We'll get to our next segment. To learn more about the Paracast Plus, go to the theparacast.plus for sign-up information. We also give you a version of this show that is free of the network ads. That's the Paracast on Plus. Our guest this week is the one and only Preston Dennett. We like having him on because we can have fascinating discussions about UFOs and what's going to happen. More to come with Gene Randall. Preston, you're in.
3: The
4: Paracast.
5: Attention listeners interested in food supplies. If you've ever wanted to create an endless crash-proof stockpile of survival food and do it with very little money, pay close attention. This could be a game changer. Because the cost-effective do-it-yourself secrets survival food companies won't tell you about are available. Learn all about them at FoodShortageUSA.com. Check this out. The economic disruption that's occurred in the last six months is going to have consequences big ones, especially when it comes to food, the availability of food, as well as the inevitable rising prices, which always get passed on to the consumer. The fact is, hyperinflation has huge implications for food and food prices. Smart listeners, You should begin bracing for impact. The good news there's still time to learn how to get all your garden vegetables into your pantry stored away just in case. Learn how at foodshortageusa.com. That's (laughs) foodshortageusa.com.
7: Extendivite really works here are some reviews from amazon.com nikki great product have to try it for a few months to see results after taking Extendivite for about six months i have noticed improvement on the numbness of my hands and wrists from carpal tunnel i will continue to buy the product ken peaks five out of five stars works as advertised this formula is very powerful be careful to follow directions. I am feeling much better. My heart rate and blood pressure has stabilized and my lower edema has reduced. Lower leg pain due to blood clots has disappeared. Thank you. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend
3: your life
8: with Over.
0: we'd like to hear from you if you have a comment or question about the paracast send it to news at theparacast.com that's news at theparacast.com and don't forget to visit our famous paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com
1: we're back with gina mandel precedent as our guest we were kind of discussing the possibility of disclosure And if ET is in contact with us, why are they sticking with relative unknowns? Why aren't they going to abduct Donald Trump Jr. or Barack Obama or the daughter of George W. Bush? Why not abduct people who are famous this way? If they say, I've been abducted, I don't mean, you know, like Sammy Hagar, I mean somebody with, you know, real credibility. Why aren't they doing something about it so that if they care enough about what they're doing to have an impact, they accomplish it, not just play this cat and mouse game?
2: I am sure they are abducting famous people, heads of state. What we're seeing with the UFO contact phenomena is everyone. It's right across the board, men and women, young people, old people, all different professions. And there was a couple of cases I worked on where there were some very famous people involved. They wouldn't let me interview them, but you would certainly recognize their names. Uh, there has been a lot of famous people who've come forward with UFO sightings, certainly, but only a few involved in abductions. A lot of musicians, certainly, a bunch of actors. You're right. Some of these people who are in a much higher position of government should
1: really come forward. the thing is also that if a rock and roll singer is abducted like a Sammy Hagar, their credibility is zero. I'm just a rock and roller. They're probably on some kind of weird medication. And therefore, we shouldn't believe anything they say because they're on that medication. And that's probably the big problem there. We don't take them seriously because of the nature of the way they act or just the way they're perceived, even though they are serious, smart people. Some are very wealthy people. Some are very well educated. Certain people are noted astrophysicists like Brian May from Queen, who, of course, has a Ph.D. Even though they may have credentials, they're in the entertainment business. They're a bunch of druggies. They probably were strung out on something. That's the problem.
3: Just to be clear here, uh, Sammy Hager, he believes his mind was taken over by aliens before he was with Van Halen, actually. These extraterrestrial tapped into his consciousness. Basically, that made him into a a contactee. So he's a firm believer that they're out there and they, they will be here. So these are interesting from a sociological perspective, even if they lack a certain amount of credibility. Yeah, but let's look at astronomers.
2: Those would be the perfect person to see a UFO. And I don't think people realize that there's a long list of astronomers who have seen UFOs, like Clyde Tombaugh, discoverer of Pluto. He saw a UFO. Who was that other guy? Lincoln La Paz. He was a very well-known astronomer. He saw the green fireballs that were falling all over New Mexico more than once.
3: Right, yeah, he was involved with Project Twinkle,
2: right? Yeah, and gosh, that other? Seymour Hess, on May 20th, 1950, he saw a disc-shaped craft moving against the wind at about 12,000 feet. He's got a lot of credibility.
3: Recently, we just had a comet come by. I, I posted it on the Paracast community forums. I don't know if anyone else out there in our uh, listening audience managed to uh, catch a glimpse of it, but I went out with the binoculars and was able to see it. comet neowise. That's a comet that won't be back for over 6,000 years. It's almost hard to imagine what society is going to be like in 6,000 years.
2: <laughs> yeah, if we're still here, that's a long time.
1: Yeah, I wonder if we will last 20 years right now. Yeah, man, we just had a sh-
2: sizable earthquake here in California this morning. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, 4.2 or so. I woke up right before it happened in the middle of the night. What a year. It's been crazy. I'm just waiting for plagues of locusts or something.
3: Apparently, there have been, like lots of them this year, but not, of course not in the <laughs> U.S., but in other parts of the world. And of course, the comets, they're harbingers of these kinds of events, too. So now we're just being superstitious, right? I mean, shouldn't we all be turning to science to save us? You know, instead of seeing all these synchronicities and going, you know, this is the end times. It's-
2: <laughs> Science? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> that gets a way of, in the way of TV shows and, and fashion and
3: gossip and YouTube comments. But, okay, when it comes to disclosure, um, you guys, like, like both you guys, probably have seen this happening. And we were just I was talking about this I think was with Chris Johansson in the Paracast Community Forums a little bit uh, where he was saying that, you know, people maybe like yourself, Preston, and uh, I think I would probably be somewhat included in this group or kind of, you know, out there on the true believer side of the spectrum, maybe not way out in the fringe. But we've got this sort of a bit of a, a true believerish thing about us where, you know, I say, yeah, alien visitation is real. I'm not afraid to admit that. But yet I don't like to think of myself as a true believer. And yet I think that there are a lot of other people out there who are non-believers who would look at me and go, oh, yeah, you're a true believer. You're way out there. So there seems to be this spectrum of people where their normalcy is way out there compared to some other people. We have a hard time judging for ourselves exactly where that level of normalcy is. So when we're already believing in alien visitation, it's suddenly not as hard to go, well, maybe they are walking among us. Maybe there are aliens within our general population now that look like human beings that are surveying our society what do you think about that preston
2: i've heard a few scattered reports that say exactly that you know imposter families who actually live on a spaceship i have never gotten a report like that but i do know of many reports of ets in public places certainly Uh, and the fact that some of these guys look just like us why wouldn't they be doing that so i'm pretty confident it's something i would quote believe but do not know and that's another thing. I don't like being called a UFO believer. Yeah, I do believe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but, uh, I'm a UFO knower. I know. I've seen him more than once. And there's a difference between belief and knowledge. You can, you know, be skeptical all you want. It's not gonna change the fact
3: that UFOs are here. Right. Yeah. Like last time you were on the show, you were talking to us uh with us about I believe it's a woman that, you know, who claimed that she could call down UFOs, which is another kind of one of those out there true believer things. But then you went with her out to I think it was a forested area somewhere and saw this big spherical glowing object. If I I got that right.
2: Yeah, it was actually not that far. It was right off the 210 freeway in Pasadena.
3: Wow. (laughs) Oh, okay. So you didn't have to go far into the into the out of the way to see this thing.
2: No, not at all. And I really wasn't expecting anything, even though she had done it before, in essence. But this was, that was probably my best sighting I've ever had. That thing was maybe 50 feet away. No mistaking it. Big as a house. Most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Covered with golden lights. Perfectly round. Utterly silent. And just zipped away.
1: We're going to zip away for a moment here. More to come with Preston, Jean, and Randall. You're in the Paracast.
9: USA Radio News
11: with Wendy
12: King. The National Hurricane Center says Hurricane Isaias has weakened slightly after blowing through the Bahamas. It should gain strength as it heads over warm water. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has closed beaches, parks, and virus testing sites.
13: Pay close attention to the weather channel, to official updates at the state and local level. This
3: is uh, something that's an evolving situation, and we know we are going to get some impacts. What shape those impacts take remains to be seen.
12: Meteorologist Chad Meyer says the storm could strengthen again as it heads toward Florida.
14: You know, so far, it has been the underachiever of the lifetime where hannah was so big and so bad so quickly this thing has run into dry air and it has really fallen apart that's the
12: good news the storm is now a tropical storm but will strengthen again once it reaches warmer waters this is usa radio news three people have been charged with carrying out the twitter attack in mid-july USA's John Hunt has the story.
15: State authorities in Florida say 17-year-old Graham Ivan Clark was the mastermind of the attack. He now faces 30 state felony charges, and federal charges may also be filed. Federal authorities also announced that Mason Shepard of Bangor Regis in the United Kingdom was charged with conspiracy to commit wire fraud, conspiracy to commit money laundering, and the international access of a projected computer. Nima Fazeli of Orlando was also charged by federal authorities with aiding and abetting the international access of a protected computer. The arrest came after an intensive investigation by the FBI, IRS, Secret Service, and the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. The accounts targeted in the attack included those belonging to Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Kanye West, Microsoft founder Bill Gates, and entrepreneur Elon Musk.
12: You're listening to USA Radio News.
2: Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably
15: won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri?
1: So Preston Dennett is telling us what he probably would have envisioned as his dream UFO sighting. If you had created one all on your lonesome, wouldn't it be like what you've just been describing for us?
2: No. No. I wanted the metallic saucer with portholes to land and ETs to come out and invite me on board but I guess I'll have to settle for what I got so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean right after you know something like this happens and you immediately question your eyes. I'm really glad I had her with me and you start to like say, "Hey, I want to see a UFO for real," even though you just saw one. I don't know, it's
3: very hard to absorb. It's hard to describe. I think we had a couple of comments afterwards, but, like, it, it just seems so hard to believe that. I mean, knowing that that's what you were doing and going out there to experience this and then experiencing it, that you never got video or even a photograph.
2: Yeah, I have I, no excuse. I mean, this it happens and you freeze and you don't want to take your eyes off of it. And it also entrances you to a certain degree. And I've heard witnesses say this like during the Topanga Canyon UFO wave, there was a bunch of UFOs seen on one night. I've interviewed all kinds of people who saw stuff on this night. And one was a group of three people driving down through the canyon and pulled over because there was this big mother ship overhead with little ones coming out of it and circling around. And it went on for 20 minutes. And I'm like, are you kidding? He's like, no, but the thing was, he felt this sort of calming influence. He did not feel any excitement. He was just very, very calm and almost hypnotized. And that's what they do. They hypnotize you with their lights, I'm thinking, is what's going on here. Uh, It's a very strange reaction. People do not react the way you think you would when you see a UFO.
3: Yeah, generally speaking. But then aren't we supposed to be trained To some degree, you know, know this beforehand and be kind of prepared to to not let it do that to us. You know, maybe set up the camera and having have it running already, you know, or or something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think if I were to do it again, that would be exactly what I would do. (laughs) Uh, Because my side, that particular one was I'm going to say five seconds. It could have been 10, uh,
3: but I don't think it was much longer than that. Because that's what happens is you get the people that go, well, science, you know, if we want to look at this scientifically, we really need to do better than to just, you know, go out and have an adventure that we can talk to people about and tell, you know, the story around the campfire kind of thing. We need more scientific-like investigation. Now, this brings – actually, this is a really good time maybe, Gene, to bring up this issue. You were, and I don't know if you still are – a Mutual UFO Network Field Investigator. Are you still with MUFON?
2: Uh, I am still a member, yeah, and uh, did take the test and got like 98 on it, had one stupid mistake. It was a very difficult test. I still support MUFON <laughs> despite all their troubles. All UFO organizations, civilian organizations, go through tremendous troubles, and several have been infiltrated. That's what happened to Jim and Coral Lorenzen's APRO. They caught the CIA spying on them and on their field investigators. And NICAP fell apart for similar reasons.
1: NICAP Um, also fell apart because Major Kehoe screwed up handling of the organization's finances. And they threw him out. And this came around the same time as the Condon report resulted in the end of Project Blue Book. So Kehoe was like the front, the face of NICAP with him gone, I could see what would have happened to them.
2: With MUFON, I'm surprised they have, what, 3,000, 4,000 members, up to 7,000 at one point? That's hardly nothing. Compared to the population of the United States and the world, it's less than a drop. I don't understand why this subject isn't more popular. I do to a certain extent. It's our tax dollars that are being spent by our government, who knows perfectly well this is real, to make the subject look ridiculous still a cover-up and we're still suffering from
1: it yeah but not to denigrate what you're doing for mufon there's a lot of dedicated people working with mufon they're trying to do good work they do get 96 on their mufon tests better or worse but they pass (laughs) the tests and they try to do what they're trying to do but the leadership has made a mess jan harzan was the executive director in 2017 when they were looking for secret space programs. And they had some pretty wacky people, and it didn't do well. They had the Hangar One TV show, which was supposed to highlight the key cases that MUFA was investigating, and it was a reality docudrama. They made up stories. Not like the Project Blue Book show, which is a fictionalized version of the life of Dr. Hynek with an X-Files slant. It was meant to be a documentary or reality show and it wasn't. And then of course let's just forget about Jan Harzan's other problems because you know he's innocent until he's proven guilty they did the right thing to throw him out. But then we have David McDonald who stages those mile-high flights and does it look good from a public relations standpoint to have the executive director or international director of your organization having sex parties on airplanes? Flying above 5,000 feet. I mean, they're adults. They can do what they want. Does it make sense that several of the people, at least two of the people from MUFON, are posting racist comments on Facebook? They should learn to just shut up because anything they do that puts a poor light on the organization's reputation is not good.
2: Yeah, this is the UFO field for you. I was so naive getting involved in this. I thought, wow, this is interesting. Aliens are invading Earth. Why isn't people talking about, about this? I had no idea that there was that level of a cover-up that had been investigated for decades, that there were paid hoaxers, and that it's just filled with disinformation. Not to mention the whole fringe element that is attracted to all of this. So it's a very difficult field to investigate,
3: well, you've got guys like Chris Cogswell who used to be with Mufon, who was a scientific one of their scientific advisory people, and he he left. There's other people who have left too. They've just said, okay, well, you know, I think Mufon was a good idea once upon a time, but I don't know anymore if it's it's. If that's the case, I I know about what you're talking about with the field investigators courses. I think actually that is a really good course. If anyone was to have some set of credentials, it was a really good attempt to get some standardization and some knowledge to people. But really, what do you think is the best move to go forward with MUFON? Or do we need a whole new model altogether in terms of UFO investigation?
2: Uh, well, I don't think MUFON's going away. Like I said, I do support MUFON. I don't really work directly with them these days. I, I, you know, I speak at conventions, and that's about it. I think the problem with MUFON is it's not soup Nothing changes. They're just collecting these reports. They're holding their symposiums, and the field is not being moved forward to any large degree. I think it would be much more effective if they would focus on, say. Proving UFOs, which in my mind, have already been proven, I mean we've got enough radar return cases and metal fragments and electromagnetic effects and physiological cases to prove this, implant removals and so on uh, I don 't know what what to do. I really don't. I would like to find an organization that is more embracing and you know attracts more people, I guess because uh, I just don't it's still right there on the fringe. There's Newfork as well, but that's kind of the same thing. Reports go in and there the information kind of just stays.
3: Yeah. yeah, it's kind of the same thing with QFOS as well. I mean, I think QFOS is probably still the the most respected of the investigative groups. Uh, but again, we're just talking mainly about uh, reports going in, getting some cursory analysis, getting classified you know, as a, nocturnal light or a close encounter or a, whatever the case may be and then filed
1: into a box somewhere i guess or under a computer system let's look into this box and then we'll unbox more on the other side with preston gene and randall you're in the Paracast.
10: thank you for listening to gcn
15: Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com.
17: We all have heard about the benefits of fish oils, but what about the presence of heavy metals, PCBs, dioxins, furons, and other contaminants found in fatty tissues of fish? GCNteam.com recognizes this risk and offers IFOS certified tested omega-3 fatty acids, EPA, DHA, DHA, Insist on IFOS Omega-3 fatty acid certification. Get the best at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203.
14: You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like.
3: Hi, it's Grant Cameron from presidentialufo.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: Okay, we have Preston Dennett with us, and Randall is unboxing something. Would you take that box and open it? Do it silently. I don't like the sound of crinkling paper <laughs> and such.
3: <laughs> okay, I'll be as quick. Okay. Uh, oh, I started now. Well, it's true. I mean, apparently, there are garage fulls of boxes of files that go back to you guys mentioned APRO. And nobody's really sure what's happening with all of those either. Preston, you were saying, well, for you, the issue has been proven. Same for me. If we call proof just evidence that's sufficient to justify belief in a claim, I think there's plenty of evidence by the way of people's firsthand experiences, not just anecdotes told by people who heard something from some other person, but by people who have had firsthand experiences with their own senses seeing these things.
2: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. People who don't believe in UFOs are really not doing their homework. Amount of eyewitness testimony is, I think, probably our best evidence, but it's totally backed up by photographs, moving films, radar returns, landing traces. I mean, we can go on and on about the amount of
3: evidence so skeptics really have no excuse before the show we were talking and you were saying that you actually have a few new cases can you tell us about a couple of those
2: yeah certainly i'm working with this lady who's lived in florida and california she had a very difficult childhood here in northern california she was having visitations but did not know how to categorize it and her family was not supportive she ended up moving out as when she like reached 18 because of it, ultimately, to Florida and uh, thought that part of her life was over until it started up again when she started having this really loud, warbling, ringing sound in her ear. And it got to be just constant and very annoying. She went to the doctor about it. It wasn't t- tinnitus. It wasn't an insect in her ear. It went on for you know a good year. Then she had this UFO hovering over her house. Grays started coming into her room. Her husband saw them. Uh, she had a weird pregnancy that ended up being aborted and was pulled on board a UFO at some point and shown the hybrid baby, the whole thing. But what makes her case interesting, it was like some time later, she woke up one morning and just got into telepathic contact with a gray who gave her all kinds of information. He told, he told her his name was Sen, S-E-N, and
3: uh, just proceeded to s- answer her questions. It was a very interesting case. That sounds a lot like sort of what Raymond Fowler wrote about in the Andreasen Affair. So did this happen in California or where did that happen?
2: Uh, yeah, most of it happened in California, but this telepathic meeting she had, she like, asked, why are you abducting me? And they explained that it was about genetics and that their race, they altered it to travel through space and lost the ability of emotions and lost the ability to remain physical, completely physical. They said, We're, we vibrate at such a low vibration, it's very hard for them to be around us. Told her that it he came from a planet which has a lot of water. He told her all kinds of things. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, there was quite a bit of information it did give to her.
3: And So this is kind of like a, a channeling? Or, a, or, a, or I guess it's not really channeling if it's a telepathic contact, is it? I guess channeling is kind of a form of telepathy, right? Channeling would be having...
2: Send speak through you to the to the audience right so so that wasn't really what she was doing uh but she, she did ask are you guys planning on taking over the planet and they said no your planet is already filled and there are plenty of other planets out there for us so it's it's an interesting case for sure because most people i talk to don't get a lot of information
3: Right, but then again, here we go. I mean, I don't, I don't know though. This is your case. Maybe you can tell us. Once again, I'm speculating here, but you know, I'm uh, willing to bet dollars to donuts that there is absolutely nothing that the aliens relayed to her that either we don't already know or can't figure out for ourselves because it's just obvious. You know, we need. We always get these sort of trite messages like we need to take better care of the planet. And, you know, there's lots of other life out there, but we never get the secret to anti-gravity, you know, how they're able to create ships that can do interstellar travel.
2: Well, I'm going to differ a little bit on that because one of the most common things that happens when people are taking on board is certainly being physically examined. That's the most common. But right up there is being taken to the engine room. And that ETs explain how this works. And so what I did is I surveyed the literature for these types of cases and found a good, I'm going to say about a dozen, where people got some pretty specific instructions. I remember one case comes from Whitley Strieber. It was about a farmer who had all these instructions for an ET engine just drop into his head. And it involved, as they often do, magnets, counter-rotating magnets. And he built this device in his barn, switched it on, and all the metal objects came swooping from all over the barn right towards it. It attracted everything metal. Uh, He was hit on the head by his own car engine, which came off the wall and struck him on the head, and the whole barn ended up burning down. But the point is, something happened, assuming this is true, and I think it is, because, yeah, I've got other cases. One guy... I entered personally, he's an engineer, was on the, what was it, the USS Valley Forge, I think it may have been, had a major UFO sighting with a bunch of other guys, and had, quote, a dream that he was on board. He thinks it's more than a dream. So do I. It's the typical scenario. He's taken to the engine room, told how this engine works. They had a long conversation with him about power sources and how power has evolved on our planet. And they said you could build this. You could build something like this.
3: Well, where's the blueprints then? I mean, like say <laughs> say in the movie Contact, right? We get we we get the signal. It comes down into a dish. There it is. It's all laid out. This is how you build the thing, right? Yeah, this is exactly what these cases are like. But except uh, where's where's the blueprints then? Well, take the
2: case of John Long. This is an abductee from Yvonne Smith. Two brothers had repeated abductions. John Long didn't like school. He finished high school, but didn't do well. Started having these experiences and developed an extremely strong interest in physics and magnetics and started patenting these motors. And you can, I I do have copies of the patents. It's on my YouTube channel. I did a whole Sort of presentation on these type, exact type of cases. People have been taken to the control room and told how it works and told how to build one of these engines. And uh, he got attention from the government to the point where they're like, we're going to declare that we may have to declare this invention secret. Uh, just so you know, he was contacted and they told him that.
3: Interesting. Okay. So, you know, this is why we love having you on the show, Preston, because, you know, you, you like to bring up these exceptions to the rules. So, um, you know, I guess then what are we supposed to make of that? Or are, are, have we got secret technology then? Are we making UFOs ourselves? Have we got um, terrestrial produced yeah. UFOs? Do you think like, the, you know, is that what we're seeing when we see like the black triangles? Are they ours instead of theirs? Not all black triangles,
2: for sure. I, I know far too many of that bacteria have been taken on board and had seen grays. But as far as, you know, this sort of grassroots movement is what I think is happening. Our government has not been forthcoming, transparent or truthful about the UFO phenomena. Uh, I think they have this technology. I think there's enough whistleblower accounts to build a compelling case for that of crashed UFOs, alien technology, in military possession. But it's not being released. So the ETs are going to the people and trying to release it that way, which is not super effective because how many people can understand it, for one thing? got a bunch of cases where people had this experience and couldn't make sense of it. Uh, just a few have, but they don't have the resources often. Uh, I feel like some of you know, at least 10, 20 percent of what's flying around, particularly around military bases, is our own craft, reverse engineered or using alien technology or actual alien craft that we're flying around. Uh, but, but it's impossible to say, like, like the Phoenix Lights, that incident, I don't think that was us. <laughs> this went right over Luke Air Force Base and completely freaked them out. They issued several contradictory statements From what I understand from the insiders, there was complete panic on the base. So I don't think that one was ours. Preston, Gene,
1: and Randall, you're in the Paracast.
10: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
8: I'm here with Scott Yousseum, founder of OMG Tax. Tell us how your company helps our listeners out there who have a problem with the IRS.
19: My team of lawyers, enrolled agents, and licensed tax experts remove wage garnishments sometimes in the same day. We even have reduced the total debt some of our clients were required to pay through what is known as an offer in compromise.
5: Can
8: you give us an example of somebody you help?
19: Oh, can I ever. We have taken a $500,000 liability with the IRS Guess what? The client didn't pay a dime through the representation known as non-collectible status with the government.
8: If you owe the IRS more than $10,000 and you want to see if it's possible to pay a lot less, call OMG Tax right now for a free tax-saving consultation.
4: Call 800-486-8112. 800-486-8112. 800-486-8112. That's 800-486-8112
0: welcome back to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio and now here's gene steinberg
1: we're back with Preston, and gene and randall and now we're kind of focusing on the phoenix lights just before the break there, uh, Preston, you were telling us
3: about how you had to actually talk to people who were at the military base who saw the craft fly over. Now, I hadn't heard those stories. I'd seen the flares, which we know were flares coming down behind the mountain range. That's pretty obvious. Maybe those were a diversion tactic or something. And I know that there are other people who were in Phoenix right in the the city where they saw this giant boomerang shaped mothership come over. But I'd never heard this about this craft actually going over the base. Can you tell us some more about that?
2: Yeah, certainly. I didn't talk to the people myself. What I did was study this incident intently because I wrote a book called UFOs Over Arizona. And this is the main event for, I think, the US. This is one of the biggest sightings ever. Uh, there's documentaries on this. I've talked to witnesses myself. I looked up all the cases that were reported to New Fork because calls started flooding in there. And, yeah, this thing came right over Luke Air Force Base. There were people who lived right next to it and saw them scrambling jets. At the same time, people are calling the Air Force Base to report this. And at one point, Luke said, no, we didn't receive any calls, which turned out to be demonstrably untrue. Uh, because the police were also receiving calls and referring them to Luke. They kind of bungled it from the very first second.
3: Was this also the, the large boomerang-shaped
2: craft? Yes. Estimates range from a half a mile to a mile wide, even larger. It's very hard to estimate something like this, but most people feel it was maybe two to 4,000 feet high, actually moving pretty slowly. People watched this thing, and it covered the complete sky above them. I mean, you couldn't hold a newspaper. (laughs) You'd still see see of it. It was, in a few cases, transparent, which I found interesting. But some people saw a solid craft, and it went over the city twice. Two apparent U-turns. What I find most interesting is the flare aspect, because what happened was there were a few people who filmed this. Davis-Monthan Air Force Base to the south. I think, in an attempt to divert attention away from this incident or to, you know, muddy the waters, released a bunch of flares, and a lot of people filmed that. That footage was all over the morning news, and just snowballed this event into a huge publicity nightmare for the city, city officials certainly. What a case! I mean, Fife Symington denied it when he was actually a witness. You know, there was FO. You know, FOIA information requests on this, which got nowhere. Francis Barwood, a city official, was the only one who did any investigation. This was a a real event which traumatized a lot of people. I think it was an obvious display on the part of the ETs. Kurt Russell, by the way, was a witness. We were talking about famous people who've seen UFOs. Uh, He saw it. I'm not sure what the meaning is behind the Phoenix Lights. There's been a lot of incidents before and since. That haven't gotten that amount of publicity, but were very similar.
17: How about
3: uh, some more cases uh, that you've been looking into more recently? But I'm working with this lady from the Midwest who has a young teenager.
2: And she contacted me because this weird object showed up on his dental x-ray. I looked at it and it shows what looks like a marble uh, underneath his back molar tooth. And the dentists were completely freaked out about it. They had no explanation for it. They asked her if her son had perhaps shot himself in the mouth with a BB gun, which both he and she denied. He's a teenager. So I took this x-ray. I showed it to a medical doctor, an emergency physician. Both diagnosed it as a foreign body and asked the same question. Did he shoot himself with a BB? I'm like, well, no. Besides, the tooth is fine, there's no entry wound, and it's twice the size of even a large VB. I asked them immediately, you know, do they have any history of UFOs? And they denied it at first, and finally the son said, well, yeah, me and my friend were driving along, and this object with colored lights came right over our car and scared us, and we quickly drove away. This is still there. It's been a couple of years now. And uh, while I'm going through interviewing them, they did have a firsthand visitation by Grays, sort of during the middle of the investigation. <laughs> she calls me up and, like, you'll never believe what happened. Grays came into the bedroom and uh, hovered over her son. She got a message that everything's fine. You don't have to worry. So that's kind of where it's at right now.
3: Well, at least that there's something there. I guess we we would have to try to get a closer look at it to determine what it is but past efforts to get that have been really inconclusive because they tend to almost self-destruct once they've been removed from people
2: yeah and speaking towards that they sometimes disappear and reappear which happened in his case they went to the dentist and took an x-ray and there it was 40 seconds later a second one was taken there was no evidence of it just under a minute later they took a third and it was back again
3: Okay, that almost sounds like some kind of glitch in the x ray machine.
2: You would think, but it's not showing up in anyone else's. You know, some of the people were so upset they had to leave the office, some of the medical professionals.
17: <laughs>
3: I'm not kidding. They, uh-huh. This is a big deal. Well, we've heard stories about how they can move around. People claim to have had these bumps, that that's where it is, and then they go to try and find them. Or in some cases, I mean, we've heard the claims by Lear, who said, you know, you try to go after it, and it tries to get away. It actually seems to move around or resist being grasped by any of the instruments.
2: Yeah, exactly. We have seen. I, I did talk to one of Lear's clients who was involved in the Coronado Island UFO incident, which I wrote a book about with one of the witnesses. And she had an implant put in during that abduction and had it removed by Dr. Lear. And it showed that same anomalies, I guess you would call them, that the other implants showed. All looked the same, like this little cantaloupe seed, have no foreign body reaction, no calcium deposits around it, are apparently made of meteorotic iron. I have a number of Cases where people have sneezed one of these things out or coughed them out. They describe it the same. It looks like this little spool, a metallic spool. One lady, she pulled one out of her ear and she said it disintegrated in the palm of her hand. She just watched it disappear.
3: That is so sci fi like, isn't it? Really? I mean, tell us a little bit more about this Coronado Island incident. I was doing a presentation and this gentleman approached
2: me. He had that same, I could tell he was an abductee. They. And he's like, yeah, I've had all these experiences. I've been abducted by greys. And I'm like, well, you should write your own book. You know, you could do it. And because his case sounded pretty standard. And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. There were six of us in adjoining hotel rooms in the village village Inn on Coronado Island. This is March 1994. Where is Coronado Island? It's immediately south of San Diego, right along the Mexican border. You can see Mexico. It's this kind of tourist town, but really quasi-military. It's where the Navy SEALs do a
3: lot of their... Yeah, it's like half Navy. Would this be um, sort of in the same vicinity then as the whole TikTok incident? Yes. Yeah, it's Interesting. Sort of really like- okay, so please continue.
2: Actually, on that weekend, there was a UFO conference. I was there. So it was Yvonne Smith, uh, Don Ecker, Colin Andrews, Bud Hopkins. It was a UFO conference, and that's why Mike Evans who I co-wrote the book with, went with his wife and four other friends. So there was two couples. So they all had adjoining hotel rooms uh, in the Village Inn, which is just a, a mile away or so from where the conference is being held at the Del Coronado Hotel. So I, I believe it was there. At any rate, in the middle of the night, Mike wakes up because there's a light shining in his room. And he thought he got up and somehow hit his lip on the sink. Because when he woke up the next morning, there was a big spot of blood on his pillow. His lip was fine. So it was very confusing to him. He had feeling pretty fluish, you know, kind of unwell. Felt he had a restless night, but didn't really remember much. Went to breakfast and the two other couples were there. One of them announced that they were no longer interested in going to the conference. They don't want to go. And I wouldn't say why. A couple in the, the se- second room, are actually friends, two ladies, Uh, Not a couple. One of them had had a fully conscious encounter. She remembered the Greys coming in and taking the other ladies.
1: Let's do our break here. More to come with Jean and Randall and Preston. You're in the Paracast. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same.
5: Hey, survival gardeners, garden soil isn't what it used to be. In fact, many gardens are farmed out and some are functionally dead. That means adding back the right trace minerals to your soil can immediately catapult your garden fertility, which means quite naturally better tasting and more nutritionally dense fruits and vegetables. So if you got your garden in late and want to help your fruits and vegetables play catch up, or you simply want to pour on the trace elements to maximize this year's harvest, I've got good news. It's not too late to give everything you've got growing this year in your garden a powerful, life-renewing turbo boost. And the best part? This unique product creates a type of trace mineral synergy, which means that each mineral and trace element in the formula makes all the other minerals and trace elements much more effective than if they were used alone. Go to cmazing.net to turbo boost your garden. That's cmazing.net. Improve flavor, increase your harvest. Go to cmazing.net.
17: We've all seen and perhaps used the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com, keyword antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203.
4: If you have diabetes and you're on Medicare, Medicaid, or have private insurance, you may qualify for a new continuous glucose monitor. Managing your diabetes is crucial to your health. The new CGM can automatically and easily help you manage your diabetes more effectively. And by using a CGM, you can eliminate the one thing most people with diabetes dislike the most, finger sticks. Now you can automatically manage your diabetes and end the painful finger sticks. Solara Medical Supplies makes it simple for you to have a new CGM. We'll do all the insurance paperwork for you and deliver the newest in diabetic care technology right to your door. Take charge of your diabetes today with the help of a new continuous glucose monitor. Call now to learn more. 800-547-5331. 800-547-5331. 800-547-5331. That's 800-547-5331. Do
5: you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to teamgaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's teamgaday.com with Longevity.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous
1: Paracast
0: community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: Close encounters, abductions, Preston Dennett. Go ahead, please.
2: Yeah, so Mike had this weird night in the first hotel room and the second hotel room. There's two ladies, Nancy and Lori, and Lori wakes up and Greys come in and steal Nancy out of the room in a beam of light. She can hear this loud humming noise. She heard someone screaming bloody murder in the hallway. After about an hour or so, you know, she couldn't move. Nancy was returned again on a beam of light. And in the third room, these are all adjoining rooms, is a young couple And they didn't report anything. Turned out he had a very restless night and did remember hearing weird activity, uh, but just suddenly was turned off by the whole conference and didn't want to go. A couple of them did go to the conference. They noticed secret, what appeared to be secret agents following them, government people. By the way, President Clinton was due to visit like the next day or a couple of days later, which is very strange at any rate. People started questioning what happened that night, and Mike ended up going under hypnosis and recalled being abducted by greys. And when he recalled that, Nancy and the other people went under hypnosis as well and also remember being abducted. And it turned out there were people in another hotel, two people who also had an abduction that night. So there was some sort of mass abduction going on. I was there. I don't remember being abducted, but it's a great case because... Mike is a medical professional, a registered nurse, and was able to pull a few strings and get some x-rays, which didn't really show much, but the MRIs sure did. Uh, like he, what? Yeah, they took an MRI of his brain, and there's a foreign body right near his pituitary. And one near his ear, they were diagnosed as foreign bodies by medical professionals, which they say these weird things do sometimes turn up and we don't know what they are is what they told him. Mm. Yeah. He's good friends with Dr. Lear. And that's how Nancy ended up. Ha- you know, She had an x-ray as well. And there was an object in her leg and a scar. She remembered the grays coming in, but couldn't remember anything else after that and ended up having that object removed. So there are still new witnesses coming out uh, with this case. I believe Melinda Leslie was down there and also was taken if I remember that correctly. She's a pretty famous in this field.
3: That is really interesting. I mean, just the fact that it happened at a UFO conference. I mean, wow. You know, these people are getting more than their money's worth <laughs> for this particular event.
2: Yeah, weird, huh? And I, I thought about that, and I found other conferences that ha- had encounters at them. Honest to God, when I was at, too, in Irvine, California, not too long ago, I did a presentation on underwater UFOs. And uh, there was a bunch of people there, like Stanton Friedman and Linda Zimmerman and some other people, famous speakers. Mike Knox was there. He's a military guy who's done some UFO investigations and said he was visited in his hotel room. And they cured him of a torn Achilles tendon. So I'm, I found this report. I'm like, wow, I was there that night. I did have some. Stomach problems that day, by the way, that were pretty uncomfortable, but don't remember anything unusual, but looked up on, I think it was New Fork, and found an online report where a lady said that she was taken on board. Uh, She was a friend of Mike Knox, I think. I'd have to look this up. I did write a report on this. But she remembers being taken on board and seeing several of the UFO presenters being placed in dentist-like chairs. Which immediately caught my attention, not only because that could have been me, but the dentist-like chair is something I hear quite often. And is I don't think, super well-known. And uh, she said little helmets were placed on him and there appeared to be some sort of communication being fed to them. And I also found a report of sightings outside the hotel where the conference was being held that evening. I believe there were photographs, but I could not
3: track them down. I think Susie Hansen from UFO uh, New Zealand, she was talking about, if Gene, if I'm remembering correctly, she was talking about something very similar, too. And she talked about actually where she was taken on board one of these craft, and there was a whole bunch of other people there from even other countries. And I asked her, I said, well, you know, did anybody take any pictures? I mean, these days, everybody's got a cell phone, and everybody's taking pictures, you know, why don't these people that are taken aboard then get any evidence while they're on board? I, I mean, at one point, you know, she was saying that there was a whole presentation given to quite a few people, like a like almost as if it was a presentation you'd see at a conference. And then everybody went their separate ways again. And in some cases, people say they actually remember meeting people on board one of these craft. Have you, do you know what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, yeah. Someone at some point is going to get a photograph of the inside of a UFO. I think God, I found one case. I'd have to look it up again. I should have saved it. Where a guy had like a Fitbit or one of those watches or a phone or something. And it showed that he was taken. It suddenly disappears and he's put back in a different place. The, the tracker on it.
3: Oh, interesting. Like it's, like it's got a GPS on it. Yeah. That would be pretty interesting. It was great evidence. I should
2: have saved that case, but I was in the middle of a research project and working on something else. But
3: Oh, man, there's so many <laughs> of them out there to sift through these days. It's really, really difficult to, to be able to sift through all the cases in detail. But uh, that's really interesting, though.
2: You know, because we've got plenty of photographs of UFOs in the sky darting around. Not many have landed UFOs. Not really legit that we can all point to. There's a few photographs I think everyone accepts, like the Heflin photographs. I think they're legit. Rex Heflin in Santa right. Ana, and uh, perhaps McMinnville photographs. I find them very convincing. Uh, but a lot of photographs these days, I mean, <laughs> you can't trust them unless, the, unless a person is willing to stand behind with their testimony, put their name online. Uh, i'm even reluctant to look at them
3: oh i stopped looking at most of them i mean now and then uh something will catch my attention and i'll i'll you know i'll will get on to a a bit of a, a youtube um binge where i'll go through you know a few, a few hours of looking at, at videos but typically not very few of them some of them actually are pretty interesting where there has been a few dash cam and cell phone ones that have come up fairly recently that they don't look like they were fake right so but because there's so many of them and the amount of effort it takes to 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 find the good ones uh, i think you're right i think a lot of people just see so much that is obviously fake
2: uh, yeah, there's just no way you can trust him. It's, it's a real problem. And uh, I'm not sure what to do about it. Like you say, there's so much out there. That's why I like kind of the older
1: photographs. Well, you see, that's an interesting point, too, why the older photographs may be genuine, but most Sorry, of the new ones appear to be fake. We've got a lot more to come with Preston Dennett and Gene and Randall. And Preston will also be on After the Paracast which is part of the Paracast Plus at theparacast.plus, Plus. More to come with Gene Randall and Preston Drin.
11: The Paracast.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
11: USA Radio News with Wendy King.
12: Tropical storm Isaias is dumping rain and whipping winds along the Florida coastline. Governor Ron DeSantis.
13: The National Hurricane Center has downgraded uh, Isaias to a tropical storm. Uh, the wind shear and dry air today uh, really served to weaken it. However, we do expect it to
11: gain strength as the night goes on and, and to regain hurricane status.
12: While it was a hurricane, Esaias tore up some islands in the Caribbean. It lashed Cuba, ripping roofs off homes and inundating streets. In the northwestern Bahamas, people who are still trying to recover from last year's devastating Hurricane Dorian endured 75-mile-per-hour winds that tore apart buildings and knocked out power. The storm is expected to regain strength into a Category 1 overnight. This is USA Radio News. The clock is ticking for the White House to finalize the next coronavirus relief bill. Michigan Congressman Dan Kildee on Fox discusses the meeting between Democratic leaders and the Trump administration.
9: I believe that negotiation is the process of two parties who completely disagree trying to find middle ground and there's an indication that there's been some progress, and that's I have to take that um, as a positive step. We've got a long way to go, but yeah. I think we got to get it done. We have a real problem in this country that we have to address.
12: Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin speaking on President Trump's priorities. During the negotiations,
11: it is a priority for the president to make sure that we deal with the issue that unemployment has run out and uh, the rental eviction.
12: Eight American servicemen are still missing after an amphibious vehicle went underwater during a training mission. It happened off Southern California. You're listening to USA Radio News. Warning,
19: if you're drowning in debt you can't afford. Do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-900-8407. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt,
14: Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the Gold Standard of Paranormal
1: Radio. We're back with Preston Dennett, and we're talking about briefly about the UFO photos which appear. At least there are a few of the real old ones that look like they could be genuine. But nowadays, is it because the cheap or even the expensive smartphones can't take really good pictures of distant objects or it's so easy to fake them? Why don't we have some really good ones from the modern days?
2: What I do like is the video taken over Mexico City during the eclipse of 19, gosh, what was it, 94, around there? This was taken from some 20, 30 different locations. Thousands of people saw this thing. There was no way to cover this up. That's good footage. You can find that online. So that's definitely semi-trust. And that's what we need. Multiple angles, multiple witnesses, unless someone is really willing to do the investigative work. Because I do think there are some great footage out there. We just need to have a real investigator Get the whole report, write it up, get the witness report. Uh, Most people are not alone when they see UFOs. Uh, So the whole, it's the disinformation problem. And it's so easy to just paste in a UFO uh, by even an amateur. But that's another problem. People are just doing it for fun.
3: Right. Yeah, I think the real serious hoaxes are still in the minority. Like, yeah, it's obviously for fun. Somebody is making this up, or the media, and this is be, really has become a pet peeve until, well, maybe a little bit more recently, with the better stories coming from, like Gene said, the New York Times. But you'll see the media just use the headline as you know, UFO spotted here or something like that because they know that that's going to guarantee them a certain number of clicks.
2: Yeah, but there's still kind of a media cover-up on, on this because it's not mainstream news. And there's reports on a constant basis. New Fork and MUFON receive reports every single day, dozens. And what, one in 10 people report to an official agency? I'm going to say it's much less than that. Almost, I always ask people and... I've only got a few cases of people who actually reported it to New Fork or Mufan. So probably closer to 120 or 30 or more, which would Right. Be-
3: we hear this though. And then so I, okay, I'm just I'm playing skeptic here now. I go, okay, well, then I should be able to look out my window right now, which I'm <laughs> doing, and see one hovering above my field, and it's not there. And I go out fairly regularly, like, I mentioned earlier, I was out uh, watching Neowise and I had my binoculars with me. Awesome view of Jupiter. Uh, Jupiter was far more interesting than Neowise was, actually. But just in three, four days of going out and sky watching, not one unusual thing. So where are they all then?
2: You might try taking night vision binoculars out. You can see a lot more with that. Unusual stuff for sure. I don't have a pair. I want to get one because I've used them and seen stuff for sure that you would not see with your naked eye. Uh, Yeah, we're we're in quarantine, our entire planet. They're not landing. I don't know why. I wish they would. I'm ready to worship our alien overlords. They can't do any words.
1: The people who want to be our overlords now, I mean, and I don't think they're the kind of people you want to worship. But then again, some people look at so-called aliens about those who reputedly travel around in their flying saucers as very much like gods.
2: Yeah, I think they are. I think they're just like us but look different. I think the greys are probably human, really. Uh, The more I've investigated it, because first of all, they're hybridizing with us. Second of all, yeah, they've got big heads and no hair and very little noses, and so on. But they're humanoid, essentially, just like us in most major features. And according to the cases I'm investigating firsthand, and I can march out other cases from other researchers, but from John Mack, David Jacobs, and Bud Hopkins, and others, the grays are hybridizing directly with us and have told people flat out that they have been genetically damaged, and that's why they look different.
1: Yeah, that's part of the conspiracy theory about Dr. David Jacobs, because the impression I get from having interviewed him on the show here a few times is that this hybrid race that E.T. is creating is eventually going to take us over. We just put them in strategic positions. And one day we wake over and E.T. is in charge. No shots fired. No advance warning. They are just here. Of course, some people may welcome that.
2: Yeah, and then we'll all be, what, slaves to mine their gold? I don't think so. You know, we're not going to be breakfast for aliens. <laughs> it's the book to, not serve to serve man. <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: I, I think that's a fear-based viewpoint and not really taking in all the evidence. Aliens have already taken over. They've been manipulating our race for apparently thousands of years. This well, not in I a very
1: mean, friendly way. way. Uh, Well, if they're manipulating us, why do we have this mess? We have a mess out there right now around the world in many ways, not just the pandemic, but wars, disputes, global warming. You name it, we've got a mess. If E.T. is in control, is that what they want?
2: Uh, Here's the way I look at it. I think they've got this long scale plan. And if you want to go back 500 years. It's much worse. Go 400 years, still real bad. I mean, you can go 100 years back. It's much worse than it was now. Things have improved a lot.
1: Look at So that's dead. because of ET. ET is, basically has a 10,000-year plan. <laughs> and 10,000 years from now, boy, it's really going to be great. It's going to be paradise. <laughs> but right now, the next few hundred, forget about it.
2: What I'm saying is that we are progressing. And uh, there has been ET manipulation with our race. I believe this is what one of the witnesses, many witnesses have told me this one was told flat out. The greys told her we've been manipulating you for centuries. We've manipulated the genes of not only humans, but animals. They told her specifically dogs and cats. They boosted their emotional intelligence to better relate to humans. They said that people who they thought were angels were really them. But here's my point. The human race in the last hundred years alone has doubled in longevity. And I'm not saying the ETs are responsible, but I wonder because look at this case. This is from Jim Law in Gainesville, Florida, who's had abductions by grays pretty much his whole life and kind of got over the fear and was at the point where he could talk to them. They come into his bedroom and he's like, Hey, what you guy you guys, again, if you're going to abduct me, fix this hernia I have. And they said, we know of this condition that you have, and we will repair it. And they did, right there in, the ho- in his bedroom. And he asked them, Why are you abducting me? And they said, We are interested in your genetic ability or propensity to live a long time. And that really rang a bell with him because his grandfather was 106 and still strong and spry. It rang a bell with me because I've heard other cases just like this. Uh, where ETs are, you know, improving the longevity of abductees. I've heard it a number of times.
1: Right, but why can't they do it on a mass scale?
2: Um, who says they're not? You know, really? I, one guy
1: and Well, area. you know what, how about, you know, what was it? Carl Reiner, famous comedian, actor, director, writer. In his 90s, he died. I guess of natural causes. Why couldn't he live another 10 years?
2: Yeah, it would have been nice. I think that they're doing the best they can. Or, I don't know. I mean,
1: I can only speculate. My speculation, you see, this is fun where we have fun. I say E.T. (laughs) is feckless. They proclaim all this stuff. They claim to accomplish things. That could have been accomplished just by the fact that humans are a little bit smarter scientifically these days and they found ways to prolong life but why should we depend on et to do that why can't we do it ourselves more to come with preston dennett and gene steinberg and Jay randall murphy you're in the Paracast.
10: thank you for listening to gcn
7: This is James Fox. You're listening to the
0: Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: So, Preston, aren't we selling humanity short if we require E.T. to do this? Why can't we do some things? Or Isn't it true there are a lot of things out there, good or bad, are being done by us?
2: Yeah, I think this is one of the people say, oh, why aren't the E.T.'s landing? I think they know better. For one thing, we have to solve our own problems. This is what they told a couple who I interviewed. Wasn't an abduction experience, they were invited on board. They did have missing time, but under hypnosis, it was very friendly. This was a case in Sedona, Arizona, that this object following them, and then they would follow it and it followed them, and finally it just dived into a field, they thought. They ended up having missing time, and under hypnosis, remembered being invited on board. It was very nice, very calm almost human-looking guys, but did have bald heads and large, dark eyes. They said the craft was very simple, not much to it. They were taken to separate rooms. The husband doesn't really remember anything, but the wife remembers a lot. And she talked to them. She's like, where are you from? And they said, we're from a place you don't know about yet. Typical kind of evasive answer. They told her that we are helping people who are helping humanity But we can't just take over. You have to solve your own problems. They were alternative healers where they lived in in Hawaii uh, and were very influential in their community. And that's definitely a pattern I see. is people who are doing help for humanity in some capacity are often the ones who are being contacted like this. So, yeah, I think they are healing people on a limited basis. I think it's one of their primary missions, honestly. I've documented some 300 cases uh, he had a healing. He was healed of tendinitis by these ETs. I think there's very positive aspects to this whole phenomenon. I don't think they're trying to take over. They could have long ago if they wanted to. They are interested in all things human. They're interested in Earth, that's for sure. Everything about us,
3: is, they love us. Where do you think they come from?
2: Well, I wish I knew. Is that a reticula has come up in a number of independent cases, not just Betty and Barney Hill. I've heard specific names, everything from Orion, Cygnus. One says the Andromeda galaxy. I'm like, well, that's an entire galaxy. Are are you kidding me? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) usually it's very evasive answers behind the moon or a place you don't know about yet, or it's not important, or you wouldn't understand. That's usually the answers people get when they directly ask.
3: Yeah, well, like try me is what I'd be going, like try me because I'm you know, i not that stupid. I can probably understand what you're trying to tell me if you tell me.
2: One guy you know? asked and he's like, where do you guys come from? He, he was talking to these very tall praying type beings and he asked them where they come from and he said the room suddenly expanded in size and it became a 3D star chart. And he could see our solar system and just a huge field of stars. And way, way off in the distance, this red light was blinking. And they said, that's where we come from. They actually named their planet. I asked him what it was, and he says, yeah, I couldn't tell you. It was a lot of syllables and
3: unpronounceable. Oh, perfect. It, that reminds me of the movie Pax, you know, with Kevin Spacey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. they ask him where it came from and then he has the meeting with the astronomers and points to this uh planet and this star system that nobody else is supposed to know is there it's a very science fictiony aspect to all this this is what kept me out of ufo research um
2: like aliens don't look like us if they wouldn't how could they it's, what are the chances here we have a situation where pretty much universally, when someone sees an ET, it's going to have arms and legs, a head and eyes and a mouth. Those are almost always there, even in like robotic entities, mm-hmm.
3: which is weird to me. I mean, where are the tentacles? Where are the blobs? Well, maybe they just don't build UFOs because they're not designed to. You know, it seems like the whole. Design of creatures like ourselves is to facilitate the construction of things like societies and houses and ships and aircraft and so on. I mean, if you're just some kind of blob, that's not going to happen. You might get plenty advanced enough, but you're not going to build anything.
2: I think there's a lot of them, a lot of different types of greys, probably different types of praying mantis and reptilians and the whole gamut of just strange humanoids in very large numbers i mean we're completely surrounded by stars there's absolutely no way we could be alone that would be inconceivable and illogical just doesn't make any sense at all so it's very hard to you know understand and
3: categorize or maybe that's all just maybe a, a big illusion maybe we are really only dealing with one race from a fairly nearby star system that is is creating all of these experiences for people in there in large varieties just to study how we'll react to it or trapped in the
2: matrix i mean we don't know uh i don't think so i really do think the extraterrestrial theory is the one that fits best there are you know the school of jacques Vallee and lauren coleman and jerome clark That there's some sort of control system or alien intelligence that takes on different masks. Uh, There's some validity to that, I think. There's some very strange reports uh, that make it hard to say that this is E.T. But, you know, some people say, no, these are demons. And uh, I don't think that's true either. I don't think they're necessarily time travelers Though there are a number of reports you can march out from the greys, which really do support that. Uh, So I don't know. There could be different explanations for a lot of this. But I feel like E.T. in the classic sense, biological beings from other planets is the theory which fits best. And once these alien craft that are being held in Air Force bases like Area 51 and Edwards and Norton and Rendlesham and all over the United States, once that comes out in the alien bodies, we know. I mean, you cannot and no longer deny the presence of extraterrestrial beings.
3: Well, of course, what you've got here, too, I mean, okay, let's look at it logically again. What we've got is are these large motherships. Most of the cases that we see aren't of those. They're of smaller craft. And, of course, if we go with... Uh, what Stanton Friedman would say, these are probably something like smaller shuttle craft or that are being dispatched from the larger ships. So in other words, they're not traveling from distant star systems in these small 30, 40, 50, or even hundred foot wide ships. It's the big ones that are coming here. And then they're coming down. Well, then it seems to me that if there was going to be motherships hanging around, we'd see a lot more of them. So maybe what's happening is they're just dropping off these away teams or away parties with these smaller, highly advanced ships, and they stick around for a while. And they seem to have places to go themselves. And one of them seems to be off the West Coast, where People have seen these smaller ships going in and out of the water. Do you, I mean, do you think that they've got bases here?
2: I do. It wouldn't surprise me a bit. I can't prove it, but I've built a very compelling case. I think for a base off the Southern California coast, for sure, because uh, there's a it's a huge, huge hot spot. I thought for a while that it might be somewhere there in the mountains, uh, but kind of shifted towards the ocean when I got more and more reports. And the first thing that really made me think something is going on in this area was just a huge number of reports over a very long period of time in a sharply defined area, which is kind of the San Pedro, Santa Catalina Channel. So I put them all on the map. You know, I plotted each one, and it's just thick. It's very thick, right off the coast of Malibu, Santa Monica, Santa Monica, Venice, Rancho Palos Verdes, north to Santa Barbara, down to... San Clemente, even. This is just north of where the Tic Tac incident occurred. So that might be part of this whole complex. I think it is. And that was my first real data point. But the second one that kind of clinched it for me, not clinched, but really made me scratch my head, was when I was getting reports of large numbers of objects. Not five or 10. I'm talking 20, 40, 50. In a couple of cases, three or four over a hundred, two hundred objects, and these are coming from below, coming f- not from above. People are seeing them come from like behind the ridge, or in a few cases, right out of the water. So, what's going on? If there's not a base,
3: there's a parking lot, or a, <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean it's 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 too much to think that you know fleets, even fleets of small craft. It doesn't make any sense that fleets of small craft would make an interstellar journey yeah
2: i've had a couple of people contact me about tunnels in that area They're like you know about the tunnels and i'm like well no tell me
1: we are going to enter this tunnel and we'll come back in a couple of minutes with gene Randall and preston you're in the Paracast.
10: thank you for listening to gcn
1: a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff. You go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality. You know, great t-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special. in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the PowerCast. You go to store.thepowercast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour.
7: oxygen to develop and cancer happens to die in oxygen the tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection diabetes or cancer the hebo tea club's original pure pauty arco super tea is only 34.95 plus shipping order now at shopsupertea.com or call 818-984-6100 that's shopsupertea.com. 818-984-6100 Shopsupertea.com
0: welcome back to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio and now here's gene steinberg
1: so maybe we are on the other side of the tunnel and by the way preston dennett will be here for the after the power cast podcast so things we don't get into here and he's got lots of stuff to talk about we will get into there all right Preston. we kind of sort of interrupted you would you like to pick up where you left off in the previous segment
2: yeah tunnels i had heard about these and i was contacted by some people there was one guy he's kind of a government insider who often kept me appraised of current developments and He was the first to ask me about these tunnels. And I'm like, no, tell me. And he explained how there were were underground tunnels leading from, get this, uh, Area 51 in Nevada, all the way to Edwards Air Force Base, all the way to the Santa Catalina Channel, which is where he says it comes out of. I'm like, wow. And I had other people contact me. About that, there's some evidence you can see of naval activity in Area 51 and Edwards. He says it's large enough for two submarines to go side by side. So that I thought was interesting. Another weird data point that kind of surfaced around, gosh, what was it? 2010, I think it was when it first came out, was from Robert Stanley, a researcher native to that area, found weird images using Google Maps of this Uh, sort of anomaly off the coast of Malibu. And it kind of went viral when Jimmy Church used enhanced images and showed what appeared to be this tunnel. And if you look at, you know, these are all over the internet. You can find in the Malibu anomaly. It's right in the center of where I'd been clustering all these, you know, pink dots where UFOs are coming in out of the water. And where I'd predicted there would probably be a base. Lo and behold, here's this huge thing and, you know it's real deep it's thousands of feet wide it's got a very flat top what appears to be pillars or columns yeah columns a, I know
3: exactly what you're talking about Preston
2: and a tunnel yeah so it's it's divided the UFO community there's debunkers and there's proponents I'm on the fence about it because you know some of the Google images are don't show it and some do so it's hard to choose between them but it sure looks strange I don't, i've there's nothing quite like it up or down the coast or else elsewhere for that matter. So I wonder about it and I do have more information about it. This was not in the book. I wrote, I wrote a book on this whole thing, you know, a couple of years after the book came out, I was contacted by one of the people I had corresponded with, which was Merrill Fankhauser, who was actually famous. He wrote wipe out that song and uh, was involved in this whole complex because Back in the 60s, he had a group of friends who were watching these objects coming in and out of the water. He didn't see them himself. But, you know, this is what I contacted him about. So he contacts me through the Internet, you know, online, email, and says he had gone to Las Vegas to do a show and talk to this Native American elder who lived in this area or his ancestors did. And they've got a very long oral tradition the Chumash and the Gabriolano Indians have lived here for some two, 3,000 years or longer. And this Native American elder told him that they know about the anomaly. They're very aware of it and that it wasn't, quote, built by them, which piqued my interest because he's basically saying, yeah, this is a man-made structure, human-made, artificial. And... This Native American elder told him that the ocean levels were much lower, according to their oral tradition, and people used to be able to fish off the edge of this thing. So, I don't know. It's interesting, to say the least.
3: That would have been an awful long time ago if we're talking geologic time. So, <laughs> Right. <laughs> but um, so that our listeners know, you have written how many books now, Preston? Uh, somewhere dozens 26 27 around there right i mean you you know i mean you're very prolific and people can find your books just on the regular booksellers list you can go they can go to amazon or they can go to your website and that's at prestondennett.weebly.com so people can find more about them there and there's just all kinds of them they're really interesting titles And we've been talking mainly about your most recent one that's been published, Onboard UFO Encounters. seems to be the the major one. But you've got another book that's coming out very soon called UFOs at the Drive-In. Tell us a bit about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. By the way, I think we're going to see the resurrection of the drive-in because of the pandemic. You know, you don't have to worry about anyone except the person next to you. And hopefully they'll be decent speakers and you'll keep your windshield clean and all that stuff. But I, I haven't been to a drive-in in maybe 40 years. So that would be interesting, although just parenthetically, before we go into this in the new book, a lot of movies now will go direct to digital because of that. The movie theaters are really suffering. Either way, tell us about the drive-in, Preston Dennett.
2: Yeah, drive-ins are not extinct yet. I've got some modern cases. Uh, how this all rolled out for me was very early on as a UFO researcher. I'm at the office where I worked, then in Canoga Park. Was doing data entry and bookkeeping. And here's this lady who comes to work at the office. Her name is Claudia. Finds out I'm a UFO researcher and says, oh, my God, you have to listen to what happened to me when I was a kid. This was at the Paramount Drive-In here, here in California in, I believe it was around 1972. She's there with her little sister and her two parents and their Volkswagen Beetle watching the movie. And suddenly, Claudia hears people screaming. And they're running by the car, dropping their drinks and popcorn. And cars are screeching out. And her parents are staring ahead with their mouths open, just completely zombified, staring at this giant object. And Claudia looks, and it's this huge flying saucer. It's right next to the screen. So at the level of the screen, metallic, she said like a silver spoon, colored lights on it, could hear a low kind of whooshing noise, but the screaming was louder, and this thing just hovers there for, you know, five, ten minutes longer, freak at, until basically clearing out the theater. Uh, it frightened them pretty bad, and uh, afterwards they didn't talk about it at all, it just kind of almost left... Their memory for a long time until they were listening to a radio show and heard someone else talking about it, and he had seen the same exact thing.
3: And Claudia's like, "Why didn't we ever talk about that?" Was did they see the same thing at the same theater or two different theaters? Same theater, described the same. Yep, he was apparently there that night. That you know, I thought you were going to be talking about. Uh, You know, movies with UFOs in them, not UFOs. I know. Sightings. This is really interesting. So th- this is, you know, a
2: weird encounter that I heard from her. I thought, wow, I've never heard of anything like that. That must be pretty unique. And didn't run across any cases like that for a while until I started writing a lot of books. And particularly over various states, California, New York, Colorado, Arizona, and so on and ran into three cases in a row while riding UFOs over Colorado. Same thing. These are not normal sightings. This is not a flyby where, yeah, you're out at night. You're much more likely to see a UFO. You're know, you under the stars for two hours at night. It's ideal location. And there are cases that show this. That's not what I'm talking about. These are very low-level sightings. They're often long-lasting. These objects come right down and generally go right next to the screen either side or right above it or sometimes to the side of the theater and just stay there and a a number of cases they put on a show or they'll even you know shut off the entire theater (laughs) electromagnetic effects have occurred in a bunch of these cases
1: so i have a question about the electromagnetic effects which comes up quite often then we'll go back to the drive-in theater and maybe someday I will return to a drive-in theater, though I much prefer to watch movies on my own TV set with my little Vizio soundbar. There's a commercial, and Vizio does not advertise on this show. So maybe they should after all that, because they make some good stuff. Preston Dennett, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy, More to come from the drive-in, you're in... The Paracast.
11: Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist, Dr. Nathan Newman, invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon quality hair growth product. Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman.
2: I've treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT-6. The HPT-6 contains contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal hair care system is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal
11: at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637 plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. This
14: is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: The so-called electromagnetic effect, this is something we've talked about, Preston Dennett, on the show from time to time. So the UFO comes by, the electrical systems stop. Now, after they leave, do people just restart their cars or do they start up spontaneously? That's not clear from the Leveland, Texas case, which is one of the classic cases involving this phenomenon. What goes on?
2: Uh, you have variations. There's one case in Australia, I believe it was, where a uh, UFO came down and actually went in front of the screen. And took off, and people were trying to leave, and they could not. Six cars ended up having to be jump-started, which is interesting because that does turn up in a number of cases. Probably the ultimate uh, electromagnetic case is what happened at Ascot Park. This is in Ohio in 1974. The witness, Scott Santa, I corresponded with him, I got to interview him personally, he was with his friend watching a movie. Most of them don't remember the movie, by the way. <laughs> some do, uh, but most don't. They remember what happened with this giant UFO. In his case, it was bigger than the screen, bigger than the entire movie lot. It was huge, a gigantic kind of boomerang or triangle shape, very dark, like black almost, came right overhead. Everything shut off. There were some cars pulling in. They They shut off. The movie theater... The snack stand, everything around became pitch black. He said that it was perfectly silent. The air felt really heavy, his ears popped, and he felt almost paralyzed as this thing just moved over. There were some people standing outside of their car looking at it. There was no sense of panic. And this thing he's not sure how long it was there, because there was a sense of timelessness for just a second, and a real kind of Very pronounced Oz factor, you might say. This thing at some point started to move off, at which point, yeah, everything just went and back on. The movie was playing. The people who were driving in kept driving in, and everyone just forgot about it. No one even... I'm not kidding. And this this happened. How does that happen? It's the strangest thing. This is not always what happens. Often, afterward, people are like, oh, my God, and they talk... Oh, I've got some great cases.
3: Well, what we're talking about here—I mean, these are really great cases because, I mean, if we look at the, using you know the Heinicke Valley classification system, we're talking about close encounters now, and we're talking about not just limited to visual observation—the first kind. Uh, we're right into the second, includes lasting environmental interaction or disruption, and in some cases, the fifth kind, which includes positive or negative physical changes to the witness, when you've got this Oz factor and these strange feelings coming over people.
2: Yeah, you could classify every single one of these as a CE5, Uh, human-initiated encounter, because that's essentially what's happening here.
3: Yeah. Well, that CE-5 is Greer's CE-5. It's not the the original CE-5, but it's still... CE-6? (laughs) Yeah, I guess whatever, but it's pretty impressive. I mean, this is, you know, it's not just an an anomaly or a nocturnal light. Yeah, well, get this. Here's
2: a great case. August 1952. It's a terrorist driving in Bakersfield, California. Some 100 to 200 people are watching a movie when this okay. UFO shows up. It was described as sort of blimp-shaped, oval-shaped, hard to see. It was mostly seen in the lights of the theater itself, but came directly over the theater, about 50 feet up at most, stops, hovers there for a couple of, you know, not long, a few moments, and then zips away. Um, everyone, you know, runs to the snack stand and calls the police, the local police show up. He interviewed some 20 or 30 people and got real good descriptions and sends a report off to Edwards Air Force Base, where it was intercepted by Project Blue Book, newly formed, relatively newly formed, newly organized, I should say. And it was routed directly to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio and to Air Force Base in Colorado and director of intelligence at Washington, D.C., got this from the Blue Book files that are online.
3: So it's reaching the
2: highest levels of government.
3: So in other words, disclosure has already happened and we're just living in a state of denial, (laughs) I think.
2: Yeah, our government is known for years and years and years. So these cases began around 1950 and have occurred pretty much on a yearly basis. Very much like the schoolyard encounters i researched it's another clear example of ufos putting on a display and what's unique about these cases is there's nothing like this in ufo literature where ufos come down in front of a group of anywhere from 50 to 200 300 people and put on a dance for a you know 15 five minutes 15 minutes a couple of cases pretty much the entire length of the movie
3: now you would think that somebody would have had their old Polaroid camera or you know Brownie camera something you know and got some pictures. Nobody's got a picture? No, not one.
2: The with the schoolyard ones there are some good pictures. Uh but not one with the drive-ins. And, but who has a dr- you know camera at night at a drive-in?
1: I guess. Well, well that, you see that's the point if Somebody. You're talking about the last 10 years. Everybody has a camera.
2: Yeah, but unfortunately, drive-ins are just about completely dried up. Most of these cases are 50s, 60s, 70s. It really starts to taper off. But boy, does it get dramatic in the 1970s. It's amazing. You
3: know, I would bet there probably are pictures out there. It's just you need to find them because I remember the 70s and and people like there was the whole Polaroid camera craze for a while. If you've got a, a whole drive-in full of cars, somebody's going to have one of those cameras or something. One lady
2: did. One of the most recent encounters, which I think was late 90s, she's a DJ and had her whipped out her cell phone and tried to film these Red lights that were dropping down over the theater and then coming back up, and the whole everyone was watching them. She was not able to capture them on film, even though she was there, you know, doing it while they were these UFOs were maneuvering. They were just moving too fast and were, didn't pick up on camera.
3: So, when was the era of drive ins then, mainly from between the 50s to the 80s? Maybe was kind of when the and 50s, and mi- the 60s was really
2: when it. it's heyday there was some thousands of driving theaters back then now we're down to just a couple of hundred
3: yeah Uh, I remember they had that thing that was like a it was like a parking meter and then it had the the speakers on a big telephone like cable and you would have to put them on your window and then eventually those went away and they got replaced by you could tune your your FM radio into it and, and listen to it through your car speakers which was much better
2: yeah couple of cases where it causes such a panic people don't even bother to remove the speaker they just drive off and
1: (laughs) (laughs) there goes the speaker I'm just, as I say, I'm wondering whether we'll see more drive-in theaters while we're doing our next segment here I'm going to look and see if there are drive-in theaters in and around here my wife and I have not been to a movie theater in a very long time, and it's about time Preston, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast
10: You for listening to gcn visit GCNlive.com today
17: with more people listening to radio than visit google facebook or youtube from the very young to the very old everyone listens to radio pillow companies alarm identity theft nutrition insurance banking automotive the list goes on and on billion dollar businesses why the answer is radio the media everyone tunes into Find out how effective and affordable radio can be for your business. Contact 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com.
8: Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com.
11: USA Radio News with
3: Chris Barnes.
13: For the first time this week, there seems to have been some progress made on a deal for a new COVID-19-related stimulus package. After GOP and administration members met with Democratic leaders for three hours on Saturday, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows told reporters,
15: We're still a long ways apart, uh, and I don't want to suggest that uh, that a deal is imminent, because it is not.
13: And Senate Minority Leader Democrat Chuck Schumer agreed. Progress, but a ways to go. They plan to meet again today. There is some new urgency as a Emergency enhanced unemployment benefits and a moratorium on evictions ended on Friday. Now Tropical Storm Isaias is slowly approaching southeastern Florida, but not expected to make landfall there. It's expected to later today veer northward and head up the eastern seaboard where it could threaten the Carolinas, Mid-Atlantic and Northeast in the next few days. And this is USA Radio News. The search for missing military service members continuing in the waters off the coast of Southern California, but it came up empty on Saturday. At least one Marines confirmed dead. Eight other military members still missing after an amphibious assault vehicle went down in the water on Thursday during a training exercise. Actor Wilfred Brimley is dead. He had a prolific acting career, but is best known as the star of the 1985 hit Cocoon, and a year earlier as manager of the hapless New York Knights in The Natural with Robert Redford. <laughs>
14: You know, my mother told me I ought to be a farmer. My dad wanted me to be a baseball player. You better than anyone I ever had. And you're the best hitter I ever saw. Suit
13: up. He was also the face of Quaker Oats for years and a spokesperson for diabetes education. He rose to fame with a recurring role on The Waltons. It was later on many other TV shows. Wilford Brimley was 85. The Republican National Convention in Charlotte will be
11: closed to the media. And this is USA Radio News. If you or a loved one is a survivor of abuse by Boy Scouts of America representatives as far back as the 1970s, we urge you to speak up. We'll stand with you and get you the help and financial compensation you deserve. A jury in Portland, for example, awarded $18.5 million in punitive damages in one Boy Scout sexual abuse case. The Boy Scouts of America filed for bankruptcy, and funds have been set aside to compensate those injured. Time is limited, and so are the funds. Call today. Don't wait. For free information on how to file your claim, call all Survivors Advocates right now. We have a long track record in helping our clients get the legal justice and compensation they deserve. Please, we are ready to help you.
4: Call today. 800-364-2984. 800-364-2984. 800-364-2984. That's 800 364 2984
1: Hey,
20: this is Marie D. Jones, the author of this book is From the Future. And you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: UFOs at the drive-in. Will the pandemic bring them back? Inquiring minds want to know. Randall, you want to pick up the discussion? No, I think you can pick up on the discussion, Gene. We're going to fight for the next 20 minutes, by the way, and who picks up the discussion? (laughs) It's going to be warfare, and then Preston has to decide the person he should listen to, or not listen to any of us.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I think, actually, let's let Preston pick up on it.
2: Uh, I thought there was going to be a few cases. Honestly, I didn't think this was uh, it going to be a, sort of a lark, a fun investigation. And it turned out to be really serious. I found over 100 cases. These things are, clear out theaters in a number of cases, not always a, pa- a panic. One of my favorite cases, I interviewed the guy directly. Most of them, you know, I found these at New Fork, MUFON, the APRO, archives, newspapers. Really, only a couple of cases in books. Most people have not heard of any of these cases. The guy I interviewed, Pat Michaels, uh, had a really amazing experience. This is in around 1966 in South Hutchinson, Kansas. He was at the South Hutch drive-in with his friend. They got there early. He's a teenager, you know, 18 or 19. Uh, parks in the center of the lot for a good you know, viewpoint and starts watching this James Bond movie. There was pretty crowded theater it holds about 300 people 300 cars i don't think it was completely full but at some point they're watching the movie when both of their attention was distracted by this bright glowing light you can hear it coming over both of their attention was distracted by this bright glowing light right over the screen getting larger and larger it was clearly an object off in the distance getting closer And as it approached the theater, it was very clear that this was not normal. It was moving pretty slowly and came right next to this drive-in theater. The screen is about 120 feet high, 50 feet wide. This object covered about half the size of the screen, so it was 40 feet perhaps, and stopped right next to the screen itself, below the level of the top of the screen. So it's what, maybe 20 feet off the ground, 40. Perfect metallic saucer, has colored lights all around it, totally silent. Everyone's in complete awe. Half the people get out of their cars. Some are just staring. And this thing stays there for about four minutes, maybe five, and starts to move behind the screen. Only a few feet behind it, comes all the way to the other side, moves up 50 feet, stays there for five minutes or so, you no, know, not long, went up a little bit higher and uh, started to circle around the theater, circled around it once and then started to follow the road to the west. So what happens is everyone just forgets the James Bond movie and takes off take after this object. It was traveling maybe 20 miles an hour and a convoy of some 40, 50 cars, screech out of the theater and chase this thing down the road for five or six miles till it finally stops. It's hovering there over the side of the road, maybe two, three hundred feet up and stays there for another five minutes. Everyone's just stopped there in the middle of the road watching this thing when finally this thing, without any warning, darts straight up. It's a little tiny dot
1: of light in the sky and it disappears. My response, Bond, James Bond. <laughs> You know, it's interesting here, too, that while you were talking, I was looking up nearby drive-ins. There are a few near Phoenix. There's one near the East Valley. It's called the Digital Drive-In AZ, and it's at Alma School Road and 202. And it's interesting because it's got a 24-foot-high LED screen, LED being a digital, all-digital display display. And unfortunately, it doesn't have the latest movies. So, for example, for the one that was being featured as of the time we're doing the show was National Lampoon's Vacation, which has got to be one of the worst films out there ever made with Chevy Chase. And we know that Chevy Chase is rather a difficult person to deal with. And this one, August 7th, ladies and gentlemen, a digital drive in AZ that's Two o two and Alma School Road near a shopping center called Riverview. It's called Men in Black. How about that? That would be appropriate, especially to bring on a UFO case. So that's August seventh. Now, of course, they're going to have to advertise. Yeah. Oh, by the way, just to let you know, the price is twenty two dollars per car. So if you got two or more people, it becomes reasonably affordable. If it's just you, it's a little bit outrageous, but then again, no worries about social distancing.
2: Oh, it's per car. You don't have to stuff someone in the trunk then. Remember that?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, nowadays, what, you know, what are you going to do? Because there's so many people with these SUVs and stuff. Like, what do you do if you, if you're just driving a regular car and, you know, somebody pulls up in front of you with their Hummer or whatever?
2: Yeah. Hopefully they took care of that. But yeah, UFOs over drive ins is definitely a thing. It was so prominent in one theater that the theater owners advertised, wanna see a UFO? Come to the drive in. Because it kept occurring over this one theater.
1: I can't wait. No, by the way, they also gonna have a live show. A magic show called Unforgettable. So it's not just movies, they have a stage where they can bring on live acts. This is getting interesting. Imagine being able to see your favorite rock stars, see Ringo Starr's all-star band. Yeah, this is
2: how it used to be. They used to have all kinds of gimmicks, balloon rides, petting zoos. A lot of them had playgrounds for kids, bleachers, snack stands, of course. Uh, must be very strange. I don't know quite what the attraction is on the part of the ufos but from above if you look at like the footprint of these things they are very visible ufos are all about screens when someone's taken on board a ufo often they see you know computer-like screens
1: well you have to realize also that obviously a normal movie theater you're inside inside a building so the ufo would have to crash through Whereas with the drive-in, you know, the sky, it's great. And this particular one is right near a shopping center, as I said. So this way, if it's going to attract UFO sightings, it's a perfect location. It's where a lot of people used to travel before we got in a pretty crazy situation. UFOs and drive-ins. But that's true with any location. What about UFOs at baseball games? UFOs? At outdoor arenas where they're having a rock star, so you know some of the rock stars are into UFOs. Do we have UFOs in those particular venues?
2: There are a couple, but it's nothing like what we see here, and that's what I think makes this unique. Because I looked at that, I'm like, well, what about concerts? I found you know one case of a football game and a couple of involving concerts, but nothing like this. Not a hundred cases. Coming from, you know, other researchers, Ryan Sprague, Linda Zimmer, a great case from Lawrence Fawcett. He's the guy who wrote UFO Cover-Up. Sure. Uh, great researcher. This is at the Wellington Circle Twin, May 1963, and was one of the cases that really made me realize what's going on here. Uh, this incident began when two disks showed up and started hovering over the theater Suddenly, two more appeared. The first two discs moved up, and two more came swooping down. All four moved up, and two more came swooping down. All six moved up, and now there were eight discs. And uh, they were in two different columns of four each and started to do this sort of rotating musical chairs type of dance. Now Uh, we're
1: going to do another kind of musical chairs. It's called going to the next segment which will be the final segment of this episode the PowerCast. And then, of course, Preston will return. He will return for after the PowerCast. We're to come with Gene Preston. Randall, you're in.
11: The PowerCast.
10: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
15: I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com.
14: This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Alien Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal
1: radio. So UFOs drive in theaters, but not so much at outdoor concerts, maybe just too many people. You know, the UFOs are shy. But if you're in a car, there's maybe a couple of you in there.
2: I thought about that. I don't know. It's it's definitely strange. There is one involving. This is not technically a driving theater. It's an outdoor theater in China, which had 3000 people, two UFOs showed up and swooped down over the audience, caused complete panic. People got trampled. Some 50 people were injured and two children lost their lives due to this incident.
3: Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I mean, just before the break there, you were talking about another one that we never quite got through. And that was involving, uh, I think you said eight of them in the end that started doing sort of an aerial show, almost like these, you know, these drone acrobatics that we see these days.
2: Yeah, it's an amazing case. There was eight objects in two columns and were rotating around each other. Um, The bottom would rise to the top and they'd lower down. Uh, This sort of thing. And it went on, forget this, 45 minutes. So these guys are putting on a display.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the the people who saw that were not going to go, oh, I just imagined it because it was only a five-second thing and they weren't sure. 45 minutes? Yeah, and
2: this is not unusual. Uh, A couple of years later in Mentor, Ohio, a cigar-shaped object drops down over a drive-in theater.
3: Okay, hang on hang on there. Okay. What I want to do is save a few of these really good cases for after the Paracast. Before the end of this show, I'd like to tell our listeners about some of your other books. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about Inside UFOs because this looks pretty fascinating too.
2: I'm really proud of that book. Actually, this is all my own research. A lot of the books I've written like UFOs over various states. I cast a wide net and draw on a lot of different cases. But these are all my own cases that I've researched firsthand involving people who've been basically taken on board face to face contact, missing time, all have had firsthand confrontations, visits with extraterrestrials of various types. Usually grays, but not always. Praying mantis, reptilian, strange humanoids. So, yeah, that's kind of what inspired me i guess to put that book together
3: i love the cover of it it looks like a one of these spheroid ufos with a kind of a big portal and and these little alien creatures looking out and it also says here a number one amazon bestseller that's pretty good because you know we don't often see these selling quite that well so you know that's got to be a pretty good book
2: yeah hit number one on amazon under ufos mind you Right. <laughs> but I mean, that's still pretty uh, good. Yeah, I was super excited. All my latest books are hitting the Amazon bestseller list. So I'm super humbled and so excited about it.
3: Oh, that is so good. I'm so glad for you for that. That is just excellent.
1: I Another would you point here. out here, when you look at UFOs, there are thousands of titles out there. I mean, yeah. he has to be praised because very few people sell a lot of UFO books. I know about the sales that Jim Mosley and Carl Flock had with the book shockingly close to the truth. Now, let's just say that the book got a $4,000 advance split between them, and it didn't earn out. And I think they tried to sell Jim like a 1,000 or 2 unsold copies before he died. Of course, he was smart enough not to get them. Although, I don't know. That would have been a really fun thing to have had. But, yeah... You have to be really proud of being able to get books up there on Amazon, because, I mean, Amazon owns it when it comes to books. In fact, that was been part of the antitrust investigation they're having in the U.S. House had Jeff Bezos and Tim Cook and the CEOs of Google, etc., and Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, and... Of course, the problem is with the U.S. Congress is they're clueless about technology. So they couldn't focus on lines of questioning to really tear apart some of the things these companies do. They're big multinational corporations. I like Apple products, but you can see where they're doing a few things to gain an advantage. I have no idea why we're in that. Let's just get back to looking at the UFO thing. We're going to get into more of the case histories in our next segment. But with a few minutes left, let me just throw this at you here. Now, with the new articles coming out in The New York Times and all this, do you really think there's a possibility in the next year? It all comes down to some kind of real disclosure, not what we have now, but something we could really say, hey, this is it. This is our accomplishment. We've done it, folks.
2: I doubt it. I've been in this field too long. I'm a little jaded, honestly. I hope so, I really do. There was rumors of this kind of disclosure when I got involved in this field in the late 1980s and it didn't happen. And every five years there's some to do. Uh, This is a big one. I'm waiting, but I'm not gonna hold my breath.
1: Well, the thing that's advantageous here is that we are so overwhelmed with other problems right now. And economic troubles, pandemic, Everything else going on, the elections in the U.S., this stuff could drop. And I have a feeling a lot of people won't notice. They won't notice favorable UFO articles insisting on more serious investigation in the scientific American. They had an article like that, right? How many people mention it? The reason is because this is the time where all this can go under the radar and they can come back a few years from now and say, you know, there has been disclosure already. You just didn't notice it.
3: That was actually a pretty good article, Gene, that you pointed out. That uh, you posted that up on our Paracast community forums, which uh, you know all our listeners can go and check out too. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, people are taking it seriously now, even in the scientific community.
2: It's a perfect tactic, isn't it? Something they've done before. There's lots of politics behind this issue. It's taken very seriously at high levels of government. They may say, oh, it's not real. It's no threat to national security. Uh, Yes, it is. They're hovering over our missiles. Blue Book said, no, nothing to it. Condon Committee, Robertson Panel. What liars, honestly.
1: Well, now they're kind of saying they're investigating it to make sure whether or not there is some kind of threat to national security. They have to admit that. Otherwise, why continue to investigate this? Even if they want to downplay the possibility that E.T. is out there. There has to be something.
2: From a military perspective, sure. it's, it's got to be very scary. I think that they probably think the ETs are hostile just because they're hovering over our nuclear bases, turning them off. You know, the the Mal- Malmstrom incident.
1: Yeah, well, that's quite a few years ago. You know, they yeah. didn't do it yesterday. It's not like they're doing it now. Where they did happen, they were separated by distances and time. So you didn't notice it because the thing turns up in somebody's virtually unknown book. I mean... Robert Hastings wrote a great book called UFOs and Nukes. How many people read it? 500, 1,000?
2: Yeah, science fiction does much better, and romance does even better than that.
1: Right, even (laughs) online now, we had to have the online Comic-Con, and we're all talking about the Snyder Cut of Justice League. There's actually an interview with Henry Cavill, who played Superman, by the way, and plays in Witcher, doing an interview or discussion with Sir Patrick Stewart. And Henry Cavill, if he's nothing else, we have a great career as an interviewer. Preston Dennett, tell our listeners where we can find more of your stuff.
2: Yeah, well, check out the forum. There's definitely stuff there. Check out my website, Com. All my books are there. You can order my books through my website. Contact me as well if you have a story you want to share or a comment or a question. I always love hearing from people.
1: And uh, yeah, on Amazon. Or Barnes & Noble as well. Go to Barnes & Noble. Give them some business. Don't just do it. I mean, there's got to be some social distancing. Or you live in a country where it's safe. He'll be back, by the way, on After the Paracast, which is, of course, part of our Paracast Plus premium subscription service. We also give you the ad-free version of this show. Go to the Paracast.plus for more info, the Plus. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter as, of course, the Paracast. We also have... Branded merchandise, four different logos and things with throw pillows and t shirts and all the other good stuff. And you can find all that at the Paracast.shop. That's the Paracast.shop. Find the merchandise, support the show, pick what you want. And by the way, for the Paracast Plus, at the Paracast. Plus, we have a special 40% discount if you subscribe now. All right? Anyway, my old friend Preston Dennett, thank you for joining us on The PowerCast.
2: Hey, always a pleasure.
0: The PowerCast, featuring Gene Steinberg, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible, Incorporated.